Welcome to Raising Up Cops, the podcast about raising Coptic kids in Western culture. I'm Laura, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Madonna, and we have a great topic for you today, right, Madonna? We do. It's one that I think that a lot of us face, and maybe we don't really realize it or have a name for it, or maybe we do, and we don't know what to do about it, and that is the topic of anxiety in ourselves, but also in our kids. And I know that that word can kind of be like one of those um, buzzwords. Everybody has anxiety. Anxiety is like a mental health disorder, like the whole thing. Um, But I think it's a little bit more common than we think it is. And I think that for me personally, I'll speak for myself. I am not well equipped to deal with it, even though I see it a lot in my own household. How do you feel about that, Laura? Yeah, I feel like um, I'm like the worst example for the kids for anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I think that raising like raising the kids we are sort of learning together how to deal with how anxious I get (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of how it's going and really I think we you know we we're building like our own coping mechanisms together like our own solutions um, which is hard I'm sure for them as kids to be like comforting mom but (laughs) yeah uh, I, I learn from them and then we we mirror back to each other comfort. So I feel like, but it's hard. It's hard to watch the kids be anxious, right, Madonna? Yes, yes. And I'll, I'll tell you something, Laura, you're talking about learning together. I don't think that I realized, like, I know what anxiety is, but I didn't realize how it looks until I saw it in my children. And I was like, why are they acting like this? This is ridiculous. This is crazy. And then I'm like, oh, this is a form of anxiety. Um, So for me, I didn't think that, like I thought my anxiety was just that I don't sleep well at night because I always wake up and I'm thinking about all the things I have to do, all the things that are on my list, all the things that I forgot to do, et cetera. And then you see so much on social media where people are like, oh, that's just being a mom. You know, that's just like your job, you know, having to remember so many things. But no, it's not really, it's common, but it's not normal. It's one of those things mm-hmm. yeah and I think it's interesting to imagine that is there someone out there who isn't overthinking every possible scenario every yes. moment like yes. wow <laughs> find yes. me that person like let me learn <laughs> you know one thing that like we joke about a lot with our kids right is like um because they don't have a real sense of time right when they're really young when they're my kids age their sense of time is a little warped. So like, if you say, we're going to go visit our friends next week, what's the common joke? Every day they'll ask, is it today? Is it today? Is it today? And you're like, what on earth? Please stop nagging me. And you get mad at it because it's like, you're tired of the question. You're tired of the nagging. And one of your coping mechanisms, or at least for me, I'll speak for myself, is I don't tell them what's coming up unless it's coming up right the second. <laughs> you yes, do the same. I was shocked. I was like, Madonna, you tell them a weekend in advance. Are you no. crazy? Why would you do that? And no. so, yes, no, you don't tell them until their own time span. <laughs> exactly. And and the funny thing is, is that I, I am so good about that. I made the mistake like once and I could not have gone crazier. I don't think. <laughs> and then I made the mistake of we made plans with another friend and the friend was told and the friend told my kids. And then that's how, we, oh my gosh, anyways, off topic. Um, but the idea is, is what it looks like or what it presents itself as is they're being annoying. They're nagging. They're, they're, you know, relentless and you get upset and it's like causing you frustration, but it's just 
their inability to understand time. And I feel like anxiety is one of those things. And so I learned, Laura, for myself, that anxiety for me can look like anger. And I know that's so weird and it doesn't really make sense. But like, I will be so mad at like, God, I got to do this. No, no, no. And I'm like, I'm like taking it out on everybody in the house or I'm taking it out on the kids. Um, not realizing that I'm not mad. I'm just like overwhelmed. I don't know how to like put things in order and say like, I have to do this first, second and third. Because people that are organized don't suffer through it like that. <laughs> but yeah. I do. No, I mean, I think you really hit the nail on the head there because we it took many years of marriage to realize that before Abuna has to go on a big trip, I have to pick a fight. Like I will <laughs> pick a fight before the big trip and it has nothing to do with whatever we're fighting about. I'm just already anxious, anxious. about the fact that he's leaving and I'm going to miss him and I'm sad. But just like dealing with that anxiety does not, I don't know how to, we were not taught how to cope with it or we did not have like healthy ways of thinking through it. So I go immediately to anger. Like that's my, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And that's what, and 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 something that I see in my kids is like, you know, we talk about the bedtime battle, you know, like the constant need to ask a billion questions and like the routine that they've done since birth for some reason every day it's like a new like they're like what are we doing why do we have to do this and you're just like what are you what are you saying like we've been doing this every day and then after they're in bed they come out a thousand times to say something ask something and again it's one of those common jokes you see on social media but i discovered or at least when i say i discovered this is my personal assessment is that I think it's a form of anxiety because it's like my kids will come out. Well, where are you? Well, what are you doing? Well, how long are you going to be there? Well, what are we doing tomorrow? What's the first thing we're going to do? Those are questions for somebody that actually is experiencing a little bit of anxiety. It's not like, like there's the question. They're not trying to annoy you. They're not out to get you and frustrate you. Yeah, I'm with you. But for you, when you're at the end of your day and you've been like, you're already kind of like, once they're in bed, you're like, you sealed the deal. Your brain is off. So please do not turn it back on again. <laughs> yes. If only there was a shutdown button. <laughs> <laughs> Put them in sleep mode. <laughs> but like, even, you know, like we talk about, we talk about, we wake up in the middle of the night thinking about our to-dos and our questions and our lists. That is what the kids are doing, isn't it? Like they're sitting there going, why is the moon following us whenever we drive? And like, that's their day, right? That's what they think about. And it's coming out at night. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I realized about anxiety, which I think it's a like a, uh, like we have to walk a fine line um, between solving our kids' anxiety issues, like, like um, fixing it for them so they're not anxious. Mm. Um, and also uh, just letting them be anxious, like go wild with anxiety. And I think finding that balance between being comforting, but letting them have control or ownership of their anxiety, you know, um, letting them solve that problem for themselves. You know, I think we, we had touched on this before is it's one of the things that's becoming a crisis in our country that people, that kids are not being raised with any kind of anxiety. They're being sort of pampered through life. Right. And they're not being allowed to face those hardships and face those the, the coursing of um, 
you know, like the, the hormones or the chemicals that co- go mm-hmm. through your body, like they don't face that. So they don't develop any resistance to it. Um, so I feel like as parents, we want to find that right balance of like helping and letting them do it. <laughs> so I think I figured it out. Okay. Tell me. I figured it out, but I did not, I, I don't know how to do it or perfect it well enough. Okay. But I tried it for the first time yesterday, ironically. So, um, my in-laws were here for like two weeks. And so yesterday we had to take them back to the airport. And of course this brought up all the emotions in the kids because they were not ready to let Giddo and Teta leave. So approximately 435 times after they left, the kids kept saying, I miss them and I want them to be back. And like the first 157 times I was sympathetic. And after that, I was like, please stop. Like this is getting out of, like, I know how you feel. You've already said it. Please stop. It wasn't until the end of the day after hearing it so much that I finally was like, okay, what can I do to help you in this situation? What will make you feel more relaxed and accepting of this fact, like that they are not in this house anymore? My oldest, very matter of fact, she was like, just let me call them. I was like, I can do that. That's so easy. Here's the phone. They talked to them for like 30 minutes on the phone together. And then everything was right with the world. Laura, why didn't I just do that from the beginning? I could have asked. What do I could you have asked. right now? Yes. Yes. Like, <laughs> if this is a problem I can help you find a solution for, but they came up with it. It wasn't me being like, here, let me tell you what to do. I had to ask, what do you need from me at this moment? Because they could have said like, I need you to snuggle with me for a little bit done solved they could have said i feel like i'm i probably should need a snack great that's easy you know when i think forcing them to think of is this a problem that can be solved or is this an uncomfortable feeling you have to live with mm-hmm. getting them to that point where they think about that i think and i say this even for myself i think that that will take away a lot of the outward uncomfortable expressions of that emotion that make us all like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about kids getting to the age where they can speak. Yes. <laughs> you yes. can have conversations, respectful conversations. And, I, and, you know, sometimes what they ask for is something you can't do. Like, you know, Madonna, your kids are very logical and great and their answer it makes sense. Right. But their answer could be like, bring them back right now. And you're going to be like, yes. okay, well, I mean, sorry. <laughs> like, not there are like normal normal boundaries or normal lines of possibility um but yeah I mean I think we we face this a little bit with my daughter because she's going to high school she's going to a different school for the first time in 10 years and she really Mm -hmm. doesn't know what to expect has never been the new kid you know uh doesn't it's a different you know we're switching from private school to public school and we've already we as parents are so anxious about that (laughs) so I feel like there are just so many layers of our own anxiety that make things hard for them you know um but I feel like um as you said like sometimes they just need a companion on the anxiety journey they don't necessarily need us to undo whatever it is that's making them anxious because I know that for a while I was like oh no should I should I have let her go to some other school? Like, should we have done this instead? Should we have done that instead? And like, I started second guessing all of our decisions, but um, so you I had anxiety. Remember, <laughs> I had anxiety. Yes. But at this yes. point, I think 
who started the anxiety? Was I anxious? And I, I don't think so. I think in this, this case, she was the one that was anxious and it triggered <laughs> mine. But I feel like that's, that is such a brilliant idea to like have them take ownership of the solution. And then the other thing I would say is as they get older again, is to have them write it down. I feel like that helps me a lot. Like mm. teaching the skill of like journaling or I have like a prayer jar where whatever is like freaking me out the most, I'll write it in on a little notepad, like a, a not notepad, like a sticky note. And then I'll mm. fold it up and I'll stick it in there. And it'll, I'll know that like God's taking care of it. And even oh. if my anxiety pops up, like I know that I've already written it down. It is written. <laughs> So that physical action of like physical putting it in a jar is like, okay, this is in the being taken care of pile. Yeah. Like I can't keep, and of course, you know, um, who has that great book? Um, Nicole Rokas, I think wrote the time and despondency. And one of the chapters was about rumination and just like the way our brains like hamster wheel on the same time over and over. So I feel like yeah, sometimes having like physical actions to separate you from whatever it is you're worried about. Lara, you <laughs> you touched on a sore spot for me with that book. You know what? Okay, man, I have so many so many thoughts all at once that came to my head. Tell me, tell me. Okay, so at the time when I was experiencing depression or severe anxiety or whatever was happening and I was not doing well, someone gave me that book. And this is somebody I love so dearly. And I was so thankful. And they gave me that book and I started reading it. And if for those of you who don't know, time and despondency, despondency talks about like the the ancient word that they used to use to talk about like a lack of spiritual help. It was like the blahs. It was like having the blahs. Yeah, but but they associated it with spirituality, right? Like there was a lack of she linked it. She linked it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So her doing that, like, it made me feel like, oh, I just don't have good enough faith in God. And it actually made me feel so much worse after like reading that book. I went away like, oh, so the problem is I just don't know God. And that's it. Like, that's, that's all it is. And I realized that that was probably an extreme reaction. And it was just a bad time to read that book. I think I I should probably read it with fresh eyes now. I'm sure it's a beautiful book, (laughs) but I think that touches on a really important topic, and that is that we tend to dismiss in the Coptic church or even for our parents growing up because they didn't know better, they would dismiss those feelings of anxiety and just be like, well, if you love God and if you pray to God and if you um, really trusted God, you would not be feeling like this right now. Put it in God's hand. It's fine. Don't worry about it okay, I'm not giving myself permission to worry. This is happening without my permission. Like I'm, this is happening without my control. What Please I need- Please turn it off. Please yes. tell me where the button is. <laughs> yes, I am not choosing not to trust God. It's just that my my brain doesn't be quiet. So what are the tools you're going to give me that are going to help me? And I think that's what I want to frame it when we talk about it with our kids and with our in our in our families. Our parents didn't do that because they didn't know that because that's how they grew up. But we know now that there are actual things called anxiety. And let me walk this fine line. I do think that a lot of anxiety can be a huge lack of spiritual uh, maturity. I do think that that is, but that is a separate category. Mm -hmm. Because I know very many people that are 
I mean, real God seekers in every way who still experience anxiety. I don't think that they are exclusive, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I think that the main thing I took from that book actually, which I think is a good tool for anxiety is the idea that God is in the present and our anxieties are about the past and the future. So like when we are freaking out, we're freaking out about something that already happened. I mean, my poor children, I think 20 times a day, I'll say, God, forgive me or something. And they'll be like, what? And I'll be like, don't worry. It's something that happened 30 years ago. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. It's nothing you need to worry about. Or it'll be something very future. Like, oh, I'm just thinking about the day you leave for college. Like, you know, oh, like just, <laughs> so, um, but the idea that like, if we can reel ourselves back into where we are right now, that's where God is. God is now. God already took care of the past and he's taking care of the future but God is now, but it's very hard as human beings to live in the now. It's not as easy as people say it is. It's not like be present. It's <laughs> so accurate. That's so accurate. And I think that like, like I'll tell you, you know, as I've mentioned probably a thousand times on this podcast, we take a lot of road trips and a lot of very long road trips. And again, back to this thing that the kids don't have a sense of time. Okay. So they'll get in the car and they'll be like, I'm hungry. And we're like, okay, we're going to be stopping to eat in 30 minutes. But every two minutes since that time, they ask, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. When are we eating? When are we eating? And you're like, I told you when, right? The thing is, is one, they don't have a sense of time, right? So they can't like imagine what in 30 minutes means. But two, one thing that I had to call their attention to was, do I have it in my power in this moment as I'm driving to bring McDonald's closer to the car? Do I have it in my power to go to the back seat and cook you a meal? Do I have it in my power to do anything in this moment? And when I stop and tell them that, like they they stop and no, no, but I'm hungry. I understand. But you have to from now until the food comes to you, deal with that discomfort. I cannot make that go away. Yes. That's just how it works. Yes. Yes. Actually, I just went on a road trip with uh, one of my sisters and there's like a cocoa melon song or a there is a secret song madonna <coughs> which is like are we there yet are we there yet and then like at the end it has like a game to play and man marina used that like three times to distract the kids <laughs> it really worked wow look that up like that is like are we there like, yet? what can i see you know and then like they have to name things they see and it sort of like reset their brains so that was that was a beautiful to behold honestly (laughs) but like you're but you're saying that you're bringing yourself to the present moment and that's what it did for them right it brought them to the present moment which is what instead of 30 minutes from now which is so nebulous yes yes just think in this moment right now what can we do that's not that that will be helpful helpful to you and and to get you through this discomfort and I do think it's a life skill like to know what can what do I have in my hands now that I can change and the thing is Laura when something is super big it's like like if I'm waiting for example every three years we have to wait in here if Danny and I have to pack our house and leave to another state because that's the military life And most people, when I tell them, like, we're waiting to hear, they're like, oh, my God, are you okay? Are you freaking out? Are you whatever? And I'm like, no, because this is literally not in my hands. Like, it's so big. I I physically don't have the the ability to do anything about it. 
What I struggle with is the little pieces, everything in between now. Like, like, what am I going to do for dinner tonight? What am I going to do for like, whatever? That's where, that's where anxiety gets me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, and sometimes it'll be a little bigger than the little things. And we think we have control, but we do not yes. have control. Amen. That too is just, there's just such a big range of things to worry about. There's so many topics to worry about. Yes. <laughs> it makes anxiety so easy. Uh, but yeah, that <laughs> idea that like, okay, you have to know what you can control and what you can't control and just bringing yourself back to that. And, you know, just like you were saying, you have that conversation with the kids, like, could I bring McDonald's now? I mean, and guys, so mom, after listening to our episode with um, Tina was shocked that we could see each other. Most people don't know Madonna and I record on zoom, so we can see each other, but we just don't share that video with you. But when she was talking about that, I was cracking up because that idea of like, yeah, like, do you think that I'm purposefully withholding food from you? Like I, if I could make McDonald's appear, I, I would, I just don't have that power. And I think we have to have that conversation with ourselves too. Like, like Laura, sit down. Like, let me, do you think that you could possibly, you know, and it's that verse, like, can you, by worrying add, you know, a cubit cubit, to your yes. yeah, like, no, you cannot. So can you, that's <laughs> can so you settle true. down now? Like, <laughs> that's so true. And the thing is, Laura and I, like, we are talking about this in our personal experience and our personal, like, you know, lives and what we've seen, what we've had to deal with. But truthfully, we would love to have a part two to this with an expert that can actually be helpful to those of you listening and to us about how do you actually give your kids the tools um, to deal with anxiety and to deal with the, the triggers for anxiety? Because for me, Laura, it's not so much that I don't recognize it anymore. Like I can see it. But um, when I have to deal with someone else's anxiety, it's really stressful. Like I'm like, I like you're stressing me out by your stress. And, and that's what happens with the kids, right? Like you're kind of like, you're freaking out about something. I have already told you all the information that I have and you're still freaking out. I, I no longer know how to cope. Like, please stop. Um, so I think that in, in our parenting journey, I think it's important that we know how to effectively calm the situation. And like you said, not bulldoze also and, and solve the problem or take away the problem. Give them the tools and let them be okay with struggling. But that means that we have to be okay with watching them struggle. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> yes. Don't even go there, Madonna. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's the part. Like you have to watch them struggle and not be like super mad or upset or, or, or stressed or whatever. And that's, oof, that's like a whole other thing. Well, tangent yesterday, my daughter went for a school trip to universal and they weren't allowed to take phones. She doesn't have her own phone, but we were going to let her borrow Tata's. And, uh, she didn't need us all day, Madonna. She didn't have any anxieties that required us all day. And let me tell you, I've been having feelings about that. <laughs> so even a lack of anxiety gives me anxiety. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? That is exactly how we are. Like, I should be doing something right now. Like, when you have a free moment, you're like, I should, there's something I should be doing. And I really, I was so anxious that I was going to message and check in on them. And then I was like, no, I don't need to throw that on them. Like I don't message the chaperone to clarify. She doesn't have a yes. phone, but there's a chaperone. And I was like, no, if the chaperone doesn't feel I'm needed and she doesn't need me, then why would I 
but I, it was very stressful and very anxifying. I don't know. You know, you know what, Laura, like when you've lived with anxiety for a really long time, it becomes almost comfortable to be anxious. It's like a friend, right? And when you lose a friend, you get sad and you're kind of like, what do I do without this friend? But you don't realize that the friend was a toxic, very bad friend. Like, <laughs> but you're over here missing something that was so bad for you, but it's just because it felt so familiar to have that thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I don't know how not to worry. And I feel like, man, I really hope in this next decade of life that I figure that part out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Amen. So I guess like I, why we wanted to bring this up is because <clears throat> we talk a lot about this new age where there are a lot of mental issues going on, health, health struggles that are, um, exacerbated by we've said this before the social media aspect the friendships the the like millions of of over scheduling things that we have going on there you know anxiety is really prevalent today and so we have seen it a lot in our households we've seen it in ourselves and we kind of wanted to bring it up and say to everybody and encourage you that it's not abnormal that your kids are struggling with this but it or sorry it's not uncommon that your kids are struggling with this but it doesn't have to be the normal and we can help our kids cope. And so hopefully we will be bringing an expert on to help us and to actually give us tools that will um, that you can take back to your home and, and apply and we can all learn something from. And with that, we will talk to you all next time. Raising Up Cops is a production of Coptic Dad and Mom. This podcast is hosted by Laura Michael and Madonna Lawindi. None of the views expressed during this recording are the official stance of the Coptic Orthodox Church or its hierarchy. These are our personal opinions, collected experiences, and organic discussions on selected topics. If you'd like to reach out with any questions or comments, you can reach us at raisingupcops at gmail.com.